Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Fender Bender on Joy 94.9 Revving up the weekends with news and views on all things motoring OMG, it is 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon which means only one thing, it is Fender Bender My name is Daniel Gardner Thank you so much to the fabulous crew at Critical Hit uh, Talking about a stripper game as far as I can tell when I was listening in briefly Which is, you know something I would consider. No strippers on the show today, unfortunately. We do have two fine gentlemen. We're going to be talking all things motoring mayhem for another hour of Fender Bender. Tim Nicholson's still at large in Thailand. He'll be back next week. But in the meantime, you have me to hold the fort. We're going to be talking all things supercars. We're going to be talking snow driving. We're going to be talking SUVs, sports cars. These crazy prices can't last. Everything must go. I was really disappointed that you started the show by saying there'll be no strippers on this hour because I had to put my shirt back on and that really upset me. Mike, there's always an opportunity for you to get your clothes off, I found. This is joy, after all. Hooray! Uh, now, I should explain. that was a uh, Now, that track wasn't too bad. If you'd like to get in touch and tell me my uh, music decisions are terrible, then you can do that. 0427JOY949 is the text, or you can email onair at joy.org.au. Uh, if you don't like my music, I'll just lie and say that it comes out of like a music robot and I have, don't have any influence over it. But that was a, that was a track... I was now I was dared by a friend of mine to put on a track uh, by Deep Forest. Now, do you remember this this nineteen uh, nineties? Yes. It's, yeah. Okay. Oh. Now we're showing our age by talking about this. Now, a friend of mine, Rhiannon, dared me to put that on, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, 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 I wouldn't do it. But that was the second choice. So, uh, gentlemen, thank you uh, so much for coming in. Pleasure to be here. You, uh, yeah, I presume you've been up to lots. Mike, you've been overseas. You've been doing some pretty spectacular things in Thailand, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which ones we're going to talk I've about? Been I don't tying know. out some new cars. Very good. Quite Thank how you. many of your activities in Thailand are broadcastable? Is. I don't know. <laughs> well, it depends. Well, at this time of day, probably yes. only about half. Okay, all right. Well, we'll keep it we'll keep it clean for now, and we can sort of slowly <laughs> slide downhill later. Finn, you're a busy chap. Yeah, yes. I've been very busy as always. You know, as uh, motoring scribes. Uh, well, we're increasingly doing video as well, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some videos that I filmed last week. So that's very Super, interesting. Superb. He's a good, you've got a good face for video. Oh, thank you very People much. People often say I've got a face for radio, and you definitely have a face for video. Oh, I had someone tell me I've got a face like a bag of smashed crabs once. So, what? Uh, <laughs> that's, like, that's a really nasty thing to say. I know, yeah. I can't, I can't think. Actually, no, I've, I've been... Single just, tear. The worst one I he- have heard is a face like a bulldog licking piss off a nettle. That's the best one That's I've ever not heard. Bad. Yes. Wow. That is the most British phrase that I've ever heard. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> stinging nettle. We digress oh, ever so slightly. Let's get straight into All it right. uh, and talk a little bit of news. Now then, top of the list. Very mm. important arrival for Australia. The Mazda MX-5 sports car is here. It has arrived at last after a huge amount of hype and a simultaneous global multi-reveal around the world. Uh, it is here. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to sound like a cynic. Uh, well, well, you actually, already do by saying I, that. I do, I do want to sound like a cynic because it's kind of fun <laughs> to be contrarian. And I love the MX-5. I think it's awesome. And the last one was, you know, overwrought and overpriced and overweight and everything with, that was wrong with the automotive world was embodied in the last MX-5. Oh, no. and, and this one resets it because it's much cheaper, it's much lighter, it's much smaller. It's exactly where the car should be. Uh, it has been the longest 
rollout of a launch I've ever seen. I mean, I went and saw the thing in America more than a year ago, and it's now just rolling out here, and it's been a long teaser campaign. We've all been waiting for a long time. Um, And, you know, Mazda's been incredibly aggressive with the pricing, which we've spoken about before. So, you know, uh, I haven't had a chance to drive the thing yet. Have either of you guys driven it? No. No, no. So, we we like to talk about it, but no one can say it's great or it's not. But I mean, you look at most of our colleagues that have tested it. They like it. Yeah. They do uh, like it. The, although the base one is a 1.5 litre, which is really small, and it's got very little equipment. And so it is... A bit like me. Exactly, Dan. I wasn't going to say anything. But... No, that's fine. I've learned to live with it. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to drive around a mountain road with hopefully yeah. a bit of sun at some point in the near future. But there's a two litre as well. There is. For the first time in the MX-5 history in Australia, we've got two different engine choices. The 1.5, which is supposed to... Uh, a- attract a younger audience it's about 32 grand for that one but if you step up to about 38 then you get the two litre which is 118 kilowatts in a car that weighs under a ton this potentially could be the return to the true that's, sports car recipe that's a good power to weight ratio whichever way you cut it and uh but some what i'm hearing is that the 1.5 is actually more fun to drive it's got less power less torque but you really have to uh Work you know, it. keep it on the boil yeah but, yeah and that's apparently quite a lot of fun in a car with a chassis like that but i want to pose a question like we keep saying 31990 is is crazy good value for that car and yep. compared to the last one that was 45 grand 50 grand oh. it is right yep. but then you have a look at the market and you can get a Ford Fiesta ST with a roof with a lot more power and a lot more equipment for 6 grand less than that and there's so many good little hot hatches now and I know a hot hatch yeah, isn't the same as a convertible well. exactly cheaper and I know the convertible has something unique it has the open top motoring whatever 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 but the amount of metal and performance you get for the money is it actually as amazing uh, a value proposition as everyone seems to be saying. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, because everyone is just comparing it to the last price, isn't it? Which and the last one was wildly overpriced. Yeah. Now, which, okay, so I don't know. It's more money than I've got to spend on any car. But, <laughs> but, um, but will Toyota and Subaru with the BRZ be scared of this car? Is it going to steal back some of the sales that the 86 and the BRZ has been cleaning uh, up with? I reckon it could. I think it's got a good chance. It's got a nice entry-level price, as Mike was saying. And I think one thing it might struggle with are the looks, though. Some people love it. Mm. Some people don't. It's got polarizing um, exterior design. I quite like it. I think it looks kind of edgy. A really interesting thing happens with sports cars. They boom for the first two years, and then Mm. they fall over in terms of sales. The 86 has had that. Everyone that really wants one buys one straight away, and then it dries up. Now, you're seeing with the MX-5 the fact that Mazda is targeting youth again. Because the last one was only bought by older people as a rule. Mazda has said it wants to attract young buyers this time. They're the people that go for the 86. There will be crossover. It's whether Mazda can maintain the rage. So in the first few months, there'll be a lot of hype. A lot of people will buy it. Um, They'll launch the two-liter in November, and then there'll be more hype. But whether in two years' time it's still as popular like the first one was, we're going to have to wait and see. Well, the thing that excites me about this and would probably get me into an MX-5 rather than a Toyota 86 Subaru BRZ is it's convertible, which, of course, the Toyota and the the Subaru is not. Mm. Uh, Now, there's rumours that there's going to be one coming. But for the time being, the shameless tart that I am would always go for a convertible so people can see more. You are a convertible guy. You suit the convertible. You're 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 absolutely a convertible guy. If by that you you mean I'm a wanker, then thank you very much. No. I love driving convertibles too, Dan, and... 
for some reason, I almost feel like I'm on holiday when I'm driving a convertible. <laughs> it's just, it, even if it's a bit cold, you put on a nice warm jacket and a scarf. And, and that's what an MX-5 is good for. Because if you're driving around in some really overpriced convertible, like really expensive thing, you feel a bit dickish, or mm. I do. But if I'm driving around <laughs> in, in a little MX-5 that's just an affordable everyday car, you feel great. You know, it really depends on the type of convertible you're driving. Totally agree. For me, anyway. And with this 1.5, I reckon it's going to be super efficient. So... Could be the bargain right. bargain basement sports car deal of the year. The running costs, anybody? I mean, yeah. factor these things in. Well, it's a Mazda, so you know, it probably won't go wrong. Anyway, I'm driving one late August, so have me back on the show in early September, and we can talk about how it actually drives. We'll be able to. You'll be all tanned and sort of windswept. I'm I'm of Irish extraction. I don't tan. I go red, and then I go back to being white again. I've seen your passport photo. You're really tanned. Well, I did work outside in the Perth sun for years and years. Interesting. Interesting photo. I yeah, I mean, it takes a lot for me to tan. Unlike you, Dan, but... Uh, I have what's known as a perma-tan. <laughs> you, do, you do. It's just year-round. I think it's probably just an, an all-over melanoma now, so uh, I'm ruined. Anyway, uh, on that note, we're going to take a very short break, but don't go away because we've got more news coming up after the break, and we'll be talking about a couple of cars that we've been driving. I drove a huge SUV, uh, and Fian drove in what would normally be some deadly circumstances. So mm. stick around. You're listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. You are listening to Join 94.9. This is Fender Bender. My name is Daniel, and we're talking all things automotive news. Before the break, we were talking about the MX-5. Now let's move on to another sports car, Lexus RC Coupe. Now, that launched earlier uh, this year, or was it like earlier this year? And it was it originally was only with a 3.5-litre V6, which one of the criticisms at the time was it was a bit thirsty. However, they've now introduced another variant. It's got a 2-litre turbocharged four-cylinder. Well, Lexus is rolling this engine out, isn't it? It launched it in the NX... Yeah. And then it had it in the Which IS. Which is the little SUV. Yeah, and for years and years and years, Lexus lagged behind its rivals. It was really good at hybrids, but it didn't have a turbo petrol unlike all of its rivals. And now it finally does. And look, the RC, if there was ever a car that needed a little punchy turbo engine, it was going to be the RC Coupe. And the other problem with the RC, in my opinion, is it's too heavy. It weighs too much. It's quite unwieldy, and it's more of a sort of tourer than an actual sports car. But I would suspect the turbo would be a bit lighter, a bit more nimble. It's pretty monstrous. It's like, I think, the well, the RCF, which is the V8-powered one, is nearly two, it's like 1.7-something tons. Yeah. Which is huge for, mm. for a car of that size. That car's pretty fun, though, that big V8. It is, it is. It's got a terrible gearbox, but the rest of it is wonderful. But I have driven this turbo engine in the NX, um, and it's the same engine, fundamentally, yeah. and it's a really nice turbo. It doesn't feel like a turbo. It's very linear in its power delivery. I mean, you don't get that typical turbo lag or delay when you press the throttle. It's not very peaky. It feels like a big, naturally aspirated engine engine in a lot of ways. Excellent. Lexus has really taken its time making a turbo, but I guess it put the time to good use. So um, it should be a good thing. The other thing that excites me about this is uh, the weight distribution. So you'll actually have less weight up front because you've only got four cylinders, yeah. smaller, lighter engines. So, and one of the things that is so good about the RC Coupe is it's handling. It's really pin sharp. It's fun to drive. With a lighter engine up front, it's probably going to be uh, a, even more fun. As long as you buy the one with a four-wheel steer. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, but we don't know whether uh, specification is limited at the moment. We don't know whether the four-cylinder will get the rear Could be the steer. poppy packs. So. Yeah, it could be. Mm. It'll probably be the cheapest option. Um, uh, we don't know pricing just yet. It's going to be 180 kilowatts, which is, you know, handsome, uh, and 350 mm. newton meters. Coincidentally, the exact same outputs as the BMW 428i. Isn't oh, that what funny? What a coincidence. Wow. <laughs> How strange. Uh, uh, zero to 100 in 7.5 seconds. So that's not bad. That's fine. That's yeah. enough for just popping to the shops, isn't it? I mean, if you nail it, that's pretty quick. You're, you're moving. 
Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to carry on then. I wouldn't have left, wouldn't have left such a long, awkward pause then. <laughs> Next news. It's only live radio. A bit of pause here and there is not a problem. It was his intonation. It sounded like he was in for the long run, but then he just stopped. Fian, you mustn't catch me out like that. Um, okay, Mazda, moving on to... Uh, back to Mazda, sorry. They have unveiled uh, just yesterday, a new concept that uh, appears to be a slightly larger SUV-esque thing. It's called the... Mm, I'm not even going to attempt it. Mike, you're pretty good at these pronunciations. Height. Koeru. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, look, this uh, is exciting because when Mazda puts a concept car out, it makes it. I mean, you remember the Shinari, the Minagi, yeah. the Takiri, the Hazumi. It yeah, always gives these like awesome names. I wish they called their actual car that, by the way. But they always they always look great. And then the production version always looks really, really similar, which other car companies never do. How often do you see a concept car appear at, like, at a motor show and you think, wow, and then you see the production version and it's really tame. It by doesn't comparison. happen very often. Mm. Mazda doesn't really do that. It's cars look great yep. in the flesh when they're made, just like they do as concepts. This thing, um, Mazda doesn't make concept cars needlessly. So it's pretty safe to say they're going to produce this soon. And my guess is that it's kind of, you know, how the BMW has the X3 and then it has the X4, which is kind yeah. of the sporty coupe version of it. I reckon this will be like that to the CX5. So it'd be sort of a coupe sporty SUV thing. SUVs are booming. Everyone wants to buy SUVs now. All the platforms are modular, shared between cars. It's quite easy to put a different body on top, much cheaper, more efficient. It seems like a pretty logical thing to do. So that would be my guess. Um, it'll do well here if it, if it eventually comes here, which you, you'd assume it would because Mazda sells very strongly here in Australia. Um, yeah, I, prospects are pretty good if they did actually go through with it. I expected you to be mad about it though, Dan, because you're not, I mean, literally not in the you know figurative, you know, Mad is in good, mad oh, is in right. bad, because you're not really the biggest SUV fan All on the right, block. yeah, okay, now I know I have a bit of a reputation. Yeah, and this isn't like a, an SUV for families, this is like a sporty coupe SUV, which is kind of contrary in a way, right? I was biting my tongue a little bit. Go and on, I, unleash. Because, all right, okay, stupid. Thank it's you. absolutely hey, bloody you, stupid. Could you pronounce the name for me? Kuru. I'm going to go with Kuru, mate. Kuru? Kuru. Oh, stay. Oh, I like Kuru. Yeah, that's good. I'll buy a Kuru. Uh, okay, well, name a site. It won't be called that when it gets here. It'll be called something else. I, I reckon it'll be called it CX4. CX4. You could call it CX4. Or maybe CX6. Yeah. Probably CX4. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It, but, uh, no, look, things like the X6 BMW, which is the coupe version of the X5, BMW, uh, Mercedes GLE coupe, also equally stupid, um, but in a strange way, really desirable, and they sell like hotcakes. In and this will be like a bargain version. Totally. You would think. I mean, that maybe well, not. People but perhaps are bored of the regular SUVs, and, and the car makers are now looking at these other niches where you, you make the car look like a sports car, but it's still got the high ride height. That's what people want. And it kind of yeah. makes sense because Mazda is the sporty brand. That's, that's what zoom, it goes zoom, for. Right? So. Maybe. Well, we will find out how many they sell when we review the V facts after it arrives. Speaking of V facts, hey, not V-Facts? a bad segue. V facts <laughs> is a source of information available to people in the industry, which tells us, most journalists and others, uh, how many of particular brands, uh, particular models and brands, have sold in Australia. Yeah, it's really interesting. If, if you're interested in automotive trends, so the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, the, the uh, overarching body for the car industry, puts sales figures out. Uh, how many? What's the top selling brand? What's the top selling model? What segments are selling well? What aren't? What engines are going well? What engines aren't? What states are performing well? All these things. And if you're an industry watcher, you can get a lot of info out of it. They did come out this week, and 
you know, once again, the market's growing, Australia's at record levels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is kind of old news now. And it's also old news that SUVs are dominating and passenger cars are falling over, that the Corolla was the top-selling car, you know, that the Hilux and the Ranger still sell really well. All this stuff is just commonplace. Yes. But there were some interesting things that I discovered when I had a bit of a closer look. Okay. You start to notice odd trends in the industry, like the fact that Porsche actually outsold Peugeot. What? And outside of Monaco, I don't think there's any other place in the world (laughs) where Porsche outsells Peugeot. That is mental. Or the fact that Isuzu Ute outsold Suzuki. Hang on, let me just get my head around this. This all seems so implausible. It's like the world's turned topsy-turvy. So Isuzu has how many cars? Two. The D-Max and and the Mux, the the MUX. Yeah, so it's a a Ute and an SUV. Yeah, and it's not like a very well-known brand. Suzuki's really widely (laughs) known. they have heaps of cars. They've got the Swift and the Celerio and the Vitara. Yeah. Why is this happening? It's just some of those little weird quirks in the industry or the fact that diesel-powered passenger cars. So passenger cars in general are, are really struggling. And when I say passenger cars, I mean sedans, conventional wagons, coupes, as opposed to SUVs, which are dominating, stealing all the sales. But diesel-powered passenger cars in particular are just plummeting. Do you remember the time a few years ago where everybody had diesel Golfs, diesel yeah. Passats? Mm. You know, diesel was the, you know, fast the becoming thing. the thing. Well, now that, you know, petrol cars are so much more efficient, the fact that diesel's more expensive, that the bowels are more expensive to buy and service, they're just absolutely plummeting, down 25% this year. So and you get mucky wow. hands too. You do, you do. That's a really underrated. Until it you is. own one, you don't realise that. Yeah. Oh, what, from filling up? The uh, the handle of the diesel pump at the bowels yeah. often is just slick with diesel. Oh, it's because loads of truckies have been handling it, haven't they? Well, they, they, they you just, imagine. Is it diesel Ooh. or what? I don't know. But it's very slick. So. There's something about the particulates. They just leak. Yeah. Um, and the, probably the most depressing thing that I found was one of my favourite cars of this year, and we've spoken at length about this car, the Citroen C4 Picasso, yeah. with a great name, the Picasso. Yeah. How can you not like that Which car? Which they're still actually having to pay rights on. Is that right? That? Yeah. Really? Someone still owns the rights to the Picasso well, family. Well, they're not selling own. enough to justify paying the rights, <laughs> wow. because last month, this awesome, well-priced, well-packaged, gorgeous-to-look-at mini family MPV thing that we all spruik and recommend to everybody was outsold by Lamborghini. It was outsold by the BMW i3. What? It was outsold by the Porsche Panamera. All cars that you just think are incredibly niche, little nothing cars that only like the very top echelon can buy, as opposed to this mainstream family car, yeah, it was outsold by those. Unbelievable. So when, you, when you look into these VFACs, you can find some wacky stuff that just goes contrary to everything you might suspect. Um, okay, great. Well, if you, the only thing that's controlling us is the Australian consumer, and so I'm blaming the listeners, basically. Go and buy a Citroen C4 Picasso, totally. please. And if you are <laughs> Do a, it. a Citroen C4, or any, if you just want to get in touch and tell us what you drive, Your we'd love to Your car is more exotic than a Lamborghini, 04, officially. 0427JOY949 is the text, or you can email onair at joy.org.au, and that is the news. Don't forget to fasten your seatbelt. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. Now then, Michael... You have been over six... Sorry, you hate being called Michael. I feel like I'm... I hate sorry, it. Sorry. I don't hate it. It's I just feel like I'm in trouble. So when someone calls me Daniel, it's like my mum's telling me off. It feels again. like I'm being scolded. Okay, well, I'm not. I'm genuinely interested in what you've been doing the last week. You were overseas to drive something, weren't you? I was. I was in Thailand. In Chiang Rai. Ooh. Is that near the equator? You- it's, it's in the north of Thailand, near the Golden Triangle. So if you if you so chose, you could do all sorts of things there. The golden but Triangle, isn't that an unsavoury sexual practice? Mm, it's, it's a it's a very no. That's the helicopter. Oh, okay, right. Mm. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the break. It's it's <laughs> it's not a not a great part of the world in some ways. But the city of Chiang Rai itself, in the, it's a sort of a jungle city in the north of Thailand. It's yep. scenic. Uh, I was there for the Ford 
uh, Everest. Oh, right. Now, this is a very important car, isn't it? It is. It is. It's one of the biggest ever projects undertaken by Australian engineers. So Ford Australia engineered and designed this big SUV for the globe. It's based on the Ranger Ute. But not exactly. So it's kind of got the same basic structure, but they've done a heap of work to it. It's taken them about four years to get ready. Ford wants us to think of it as a rival for the Toyota Prado, so Is like it? a high end. Yeah, that's what I'm. Whereas about. some people would look at it and say it's probably more of a rival for things like the Holden Colorado Seven and the Toyota Fortuna and the Isuzu. Why? UX. Why are they saying that? Well. Ford is very reluctant to call this... You look at it and you think, okay, it's a Ranger Ute with a different bit on the back. Right. And Ford says, no, no, no. The engine's been tweaked. The suspension's different. The platform's been modified. The interior's been sort of sexed up. It's it's more of an upmarket Prado-type rival. And the reality for me is it's kind of somewhere in between. So it's launching here really soon. The top one is $77,000, which is wildly overpriced. Just, let's just that call does sound it, like a lot. That's let's the most just call it as Ford it is. In Australia, the it? most expensive Ford yeah. in Australia. Wow. But you go further down the range, it's not too badly priced, fifty-five dollars to $60,000. It's about ballpark. It sort of sits halfway between the really rough and ready things like the Mitsubishi Challenger and all these mm. sort of mine-focused things. And then the Prados that are at the top end. It sits sort of between them. It's been a long-awaited car. The Ranger does really, really well here. And logically, this being sort of from the same family should do pretty well too. We put it through its paces. It's pretty impressive in some ways. I think the story here is just how good Australian ingenuity, engineering and design is. Absolutely. The fact that this is a car that's going to be sold in 150 countries all around the world. uh, And it was just done just down the road in regional Victoria, the whole thing. It was very exciting when it was all going on because of course Ford were denying any you know yes. Ford never talk about future product which is a line that we're all very bored of Tesla's <laughs> running around Melbourne yeah, that's right yeah. secret camouflage and it's been such a long project and you know it's taken four years and Ford made a good point I spoke to a man named Trevor Worthington who is the sort of all of Ford Asia Pacific he runs all their projects and all of that is based out of Melbourne although he's based in, in Shanghai and said, you know, th- th- how is this not just a, a Ranger SUV? And he said, if it was just a Ranger SUV, it wouldn't have taken us bloody four years to do it. Right. So it's kind of fair enough. It's been a long time coming. Um, and is it any good? It's good, it is. It's, it's, it's much more refined than a Ranger. Its engine's been sort of just toned down a bit. There's more sound deadening. It's got different suspensions, like rides okay. It's quite spacious and roomy. Took it off-road. It's pretty rugged. Good tow vehicle. Um, it's not like uh, Hyundai Santa Fe or something. It's not super refined. It's not like it's not a car-like family hauler. It's still pretty rough and ready. It's sort of, you wouldn't buy one necessarily just if you were only going to do the school run in it. You'd want to be towing things. You'd want to be going off-road. It is designed for that sort of stuff, but it's kind of a good compromise. Okay. Until we drive it locally, we can't really be sure. But And when will it be here? Uh, October of this year. Okay. I think it's just the price that's going to hurt it. 77 grand is getting up there pricey. for the top one. Does sound a bit pricey. You know, what was really your is. favourite aspect of the car? Is there something... Uh, it does have this really cool feature where the third row seat, so you can touch a button and they electrically raise and fold. Ooh. That's kind of cool. Well, Robot car. That's I love cool. push-button electronics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Uh, gentlemen, don't go anywhere. And I'm sending the same message to our dear listeners. We're going to be back very shortly after this little break. You're listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. We are talking all things automotive this afternoon, but now I'm going to tell you a little story of how I got in trouble. Ooh. Yes, now then... Uh, Gentlemen, with the law or just generally? Well, could have been could have been lawyers. Uh, now, 
tell me about your favourite interiors. What do you like? What do you like to get Ooh. into? You know, it could be a sports car, it could be an SUV, anything. What is your favourite? I know. I actually know. One you of know mine's. what mine is? Yes. Tell me. I've been calling for the return of suede for the longest time, like and velour that's as well. What, that's velour. what I thought. Yeah. I kind of confuse them a bit, like red velour. Oh. I remember riding to school in like a car with a red velour and it had, you know, cigarette burns in it and that. And it's got, <laughs> but it just has so vivid in my mind. It's such a good material. Yeah, I love velour as well. But you did mention sweat. Fian, what about you? Uh, Favourite interior? Probably diamond quilted, uh, oh. you know. I think he's elitist over here. <laughs> hey, you are. Oy. Yeah, totally. He's a man something, of discerning something, taste. Something in a Bentley, you know. What about hot vinyl in summer? Venetian leather? Remember when no. you, you, you go into school and you had to wear Ooh, sh- with shorts and you had the hot vinyl? Yeah. Well, I mean, not in England, no. no. <laughs> Sub-series. Stick to it from bloody frostbite. Um, okay, well, you mentioned suede. Now, suede is a, a, an animal product, uh, and a lot of car makers are moving away from, in an effort for sustainability, are going to synthetic materials. And there is a very good synthetic material out there that mimics suede called Alcantara. Um, and this is quite a common, uh, commonly used material. Uh, but I recently referred to a suede-like synthetic material in a Mercedes as Alcantara. And what do you know? I get a letter from the lawyers saying... The material in that Mercedes is not Alcantara, trademark, licensed, copyright protected. Cease and desist, please. please can you remove any reference oh, to God. it? I know. I got in deep trouble about it. So I had to instantly look up what it actually was. It's, now, Mercedes have gone to the extent of making, they've developed their own alternative, which they call Dinamica, or Din, how do you pronounce it? it oh, the, yeah. The, yeah. Anyway, don't, whatever don't it is, something. it's a synthetic suede, and it is not Alcantara. Alcantara is a closely guarded secret. It's a patented material. So it's like the KFC of materials. Yeah. No one knows the recipe. <laughs> so when they say man-made leather, does that mean it's made from men? Or? <laughs> oh, no, it's a bit Silence of the Lambs. That's horrible. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Uh, yeah, so um, gentlemen, be very careful. Now, this is I spoke to a couple other journos after this, and they said, well, we've been calling just generic man-made suede Alcantara. So have I. Like, I think it's a bit like how some people call vacuuming hoovering, or you uh, Google something, or you use a biro, yes. or you're going to get yes. a can of Coke. They're Some brands are just so ubiquitous with their product that you just kind of, they, the line blurs. So, and that's, so yeah, so if I refer to in a story about using my Hoover when it's actually not a Hoover, then I'm going to get letters from Hoover saying, please don't use our brand. What, what is the world coming to? Mm-hmm. Absolutely disgraceful. So be wow. careful, guys out there. Yes, Alcantara is so a fully licensed, yes, go Is on. Alcantara ergo saying that Mercedes material is inferior? Because if it was, is it ashamed to be associated with Mercedes Benz's uh, attempt think, at sway? Yeah, I think the problem is, is that for years Alcantara cornered the market. They were a monopoly. No one else made an alternative. Now what's happening is that Mercedes has developed this one. There's a couple other companies in America um, who have their own alternatives, and Alcantara is probably a little bit worried. That, mm. And now they're just trying to copy, um, right, protect their their intellectual mm. property. Well, in, in in effort to avoid their litigiousness, I think they're just brilliant. I love them. They're the best. And for the record, Alcantara is basically a suede synthetic, isn't it? So it yes. feels like suede and it's got that sort of sweat absorbing, you it know, is, people put it on steering wheels. And it is my favourite interior. It's I think lovely. It's absolutely and, and the fact that it's sourced... I'm not, not just from, saying that because I'm in trouble with it. <laughs> and the fact that it's not sourced from animals is actually great. It is. I would rather synthetic material in my car than absolutely. animal material. And to uh, sing their praises in another... I'm sorry, I'm not backing out of this, you know. I'm, I'm genuinely... <laughs> I've always been a fan. What's okay. that gun you Yes, use? I know. Yeah, that huge check sticking out of my pocket. Um, no, it's, uh, it's a really good material and it, their factory is actually carbon neutral. So although it's quite That's a good. chemical process... Yeah. Um, um, this non-woven material comes out at the end. Uh, it's, yeah, carbon zero. So, anyway. Good right. for you, Alcantara. Sorry, Alcantara. It's now corrected. Uh, so, be careful out there. Now, uh, moving on. I drove uh, a, a new SUV 
a couple of weeks ago. It's been under embargo until just a couple of days ago. But you hate SUVs. Why did you drive it? Because I am a professional and I have to keep, you know, my Fickle. knowledge base broad. Yes. And so I was lucky enough to go and drive the new Audi Q7. Now, when that car came out nine years ago, the first generation, it was an instant hit. Audi have been selling squillions of them ever since because Australia, we love a big SUV um, and we love a luxury car. And so the new one is here after a nine year uh, first generation version. And I drove it all the way from Melbourne to Adelaide. It was a 1,000 kilometres in it just to get the feel for it. And the reason they did that is because the first time the Q7 came out, they did this transcontinental trip where they drove not just from Melbourne. Do you remember that? It was around Australia, wasn't it? Or yeah, to- right the way across. Yeah, yeah. They went right across the guts just to prove that it's, uh, you know, it's tough and it can do off-road and, and it doesn't go wrong. That and car was amazing incredible. off the beaten path. Yeah. I, I did some really heavy sort of roads in that thing too, and it's just remarkable how good it was. They changed... Uh, uh, in, during the transcontinental, they changed one tire. That's yeah. all they did in that whole trip. Um, now, I drove it, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I th- it's the, it, as a ride proposition, it was fabulous. It's very comfortable, very quiet. It's got a big diesel in it. And this is the most astonishing thing about this car. It weighs just over two tonnes. It's only got a little three-litre diesel in it. That's very heavy. But it'll get to 100 in six and a half seconds. And two tonnes is not heavy for a seven-seat SUV at all. The average seven-seat SUV, the Ford Everest, weighs two and a half tonnes. So two okay, tonnes is actually yeah, quite yeah. light. And it's about 400 kilos lighter than its predecessor, isn't it? Because the last Q7 yeah. was quite bulky. That's right. It's aluminium intensive, isn't yes, it? Yes. They've stripped yes. a load of weight out of it. Actually, one of the places they've removed most weight is in the suspension. They've completely revised mm. the suspension. They've got about 200 kilos out of it. It does look dead boring, though, doesn't it? Do you think? It? Yeah. I agree with that. It's so evolutionary. Really? I mean, Audi's never going to be about crazily aggressive styling. Audi's quite a subdued brand, and that's good. It's kind of its unique selling point. But Although I heard a rumor that the Q1 will be... This is their teeny tiny one yeah. that's coming out next year. Possibly this year. We might see it at Frankfurt in September. It's going to be pushing the uh, design boundaries a little bit. Well, there's a guy named Mark Lichter, who I was lucky oh, to I speak to in Paris last year, who is the new Audi chief designer, yes. who didn't do the Q7 because cars work on long lead times. So, you know, the Q7 was designed years ago, who says his vision for the company is much more aggressive. So Audis that we're going to start seeing from the new A8 early next year and beyond that mm. will be quite aggressive. Bring it the on. Q7, I don't know. I think the last one looked a bit more interesting than this one, and I think styling is pretty important in this segment, and I think the Certainly. X5 looks a whole lot cooler, frankly. Well, but I hear great things about it as an actual car. Okay, right. Now, I liked it a lot. There was very few bad things to say about it. How much? 103,900. So That's it's, it's gone cheap. up a little bit. Yeah. There's only one variant this time around, whereas they had a monstrous V12 diesel last time and a petrol. So we just got for the, the one V6 diesel. It does everything very well. It is a genuine seven-seater. And that's where my day with the Q7 started to get a little bit anxious. So we where are we going? going with this? Well, okay, so we were stopped at lunch, and being in a big group of motor journalists, we wanted a test to see if it is a genuine seven-seater. So I jumped in the third row and just tested out if there was enough legroom. And, and for the record, you're not a short bloke. I'm six foot two, so yes. you need a bit of room to accommodate me. I'm slender, though. You know, I'm narrow. I might be tall, but I don't take Feet, up a lot of room. I think is the word. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I jumped in the back with another with another Jano, and which was fine. I was just testing the seats. But before I know it, and I should tell you now, I'm very claustrophobic. Ooh. Before I know it, everyone else has piled in the car, closed the boot, closed all the doors, put the folding seats back against my knees, and I'm completely wedged 
in the back row of a seven-seater as a really panicky claustrophobic. Well, hang on, I've never known journos to more than double up in a car before. Why were there seven in a car? Just to see, just to see if you could genuinely oh, get seven adults in right it. right there, I think. And Being stuck in a car with six other journos sounds Ooh. horrendous, yeah, well, just yeah. on principle. <laughs> they were a lovely bunch, but the point was is that <laughs> I hate confined spaces and there's no really? third door. There's a third row, but there's no third door. So I was stuck fast in the back and I was actually having quite a horrible time. I didn't I, know you were claustrophobic. So That's horrible. I'm so claustrophobic. It's like, oh. it's really debilitating. And so third row, I cannot do. And I just thought I was going to test the seats and before I know it, everyone slams the seats back on me and there's people in and oh, I just no. have to say, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to get a horrible 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 so i i have a really bad memory of the adq7 no wonder you like convertibles exactly that's yeah. so true that is so yeah. true. that's why i like yeah but so you're six foot two and you're in the third row of a q7 that's pretty good yeah it is good it's genuine seven seater were your knees up high though are they no no you can slide the second row forward so you've Ooh, actually got nice, quite nice. a decent, yeah anyway so look don't get in the back, <laughs> back row of any seven seater for that matter uh if you are claustrophobic we're going to have a very short break and then we're going to be back to talk supercars with fian after this break, you're on Joy 94.9. This is Fender Bender. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch, as someone has, you can uh, text me on 0427JOY949 or you can email on air at joy.org.au, just as Daryl has. Uh, Daryl says, uh, we were talking before the break about Alcantara, which mm. is a trademarked product, synthetic suede. I got in trouble for saying something was Alcantara when it wasn't. Uh, and Daryl says, uh, no, no, the reason why they don't want you to refer to the product like Alcantara is because they don't want you don't want to have to pay royalty payments for using the product. Um, so... I wonder if that's actually... So Mercedes might have said, right, it costs us X million euros to yeah. pay for the rights. So if we can make our own for less, why wouldn't we? Quite possibly. Thank you you are you cynic. I, know. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah excellent. <laughs> uh, now then, Fian, uh, you've been doing... It's, it's midwinter. It's midwinter, pretty much. It is, uh, it's horrid out there. It's cold. It's one of the best... No, cold is oh, good. don't start this again, Please. Mike. Mike's one of those people who says he likes winter. Yeah, That's jackets. absolute BS. C- confession, I'm with Mike. I like winter, too. You're with Mike? Yes, yes. When did this happen? I know. It's a recent thing. Wow. I've, I've been holding it in. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> uh, it is midwinter. It's one of yes. the best snow seasons I think the country can remember. It is, but... Cutting down. And uh, so there are some potentially treacherous conditions out there, especially when you're getting to and from the snowfields. Yeah, but then yeah. you have the solution, don't you? Uh, I have a few, yes. Okay. Yes. We went up to Mount Buller recently in, uh, in a small SUV and um, basically did a bunch of videos for the crew that I work for um, and basically telling people how they can drive in the snow. There's a lot of things that you should be aware of um, when you drive in the snow, obviously. A lot of people, probably younger people, are just jumping in their cars and flying up the snow. And sometimes it does pay to just be a little bit aware of some of the hazards that can occur when driving in uh, sub-zero temperatures. Right. Like? Well, black ice is a big one. We don't get a huge amount all the time, but it can appear... Like, I was uh, up near Mount Macedon the other day, and there was black ice on the road there, which is quite scary. It's hard to see, and it often occurs in shadows uh, or certain corners on roads and things like that and basically doesn't matter what car you're in you're going to slide on that yeah you know abs isn't much good either so okay so black ice is a big no-no you have to watch out for that i mean so drive slowly basically it's it's leave bigger gaps to the cars in front and especially when it starts snowing um 
you really need to, you know, pay attention and, and, and have your car in good nick. Is Absolutely what probably, I was going to say. Yeah. There's lots you can do in terms of maintenance and making yeah. sure your car, that you know, if you do encounter these nasty conditions, it's going to do the very best it, it can. So things like tyre pressures is a, is a classic. Definitely. Um, and tyre condition. Tyre condition, tyre tread. Make sure there's tread on your tyres because if there is not, then you are going to struggle. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, what about you know all-wheel drives? Are they are, are they better in in vile all, conditions? All-wheel drives generally, yes. There's there's there's, there's um, you have to carry chains with you most of the time, right? Um, if there's going to be snow, even if you don't fit them, um, but oh, so you just have to have them with you? Yeah, pretty much, pretty okay. much. Um, but if it's obviously if it's bucketing down and there's inches of snow on the ground, you, you're not going anywhere without chains on your on your car. Um, Four-wheel drives, in some circumstances, don't have to fit them, whereas two-wheel drive cars do. If it, you know, in these oh, okay. uh, heavy snow, but basically, don't rely on having a four-wheel drive as being the silver bullet because um, under brakes, cars are the same and things like that. And sometimes people get overconfident by having four-wheel drive, and 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 it always pays to be very cognizant of the conditions and how you're feeling. If you're fatigued, if it's late at night, always take care. Sage advice, Fiat. Now, have you ever done any sort of driving, actually, when we go to the extreme? So we're talking about ice and, and slippery oh, surfaces. But have yes. you ever been to, you know, like proper snow? I think all three of us have. Yeah, it's a pretty wild experience. I always equate it. You ever play that air hockey game in, like, time zone? Yes. And you put the puck in it, kind yes. of. You put your coin in and it has the air pressure and it slides around. Yeah. Your car's on the like that. You you can't really... You can control it, but it's about managing the fact that you're not going to slow, you're not going to turn in a predictable way and sure. kind of working your way around it. So mm. where were you doing this, Mike? There's all kinds of places in New Zealand you can go. There's a very famous place called The Snow Farm, which is a pretty, I like how simple and basic the name is, and it Cute, is exactly it? what the name connotes, yeah. um, that you can do all kinds of mad testing on. And I believe you guys would have been there at some point as well. I have been to Snow Farm with BMW. I did their Alpine X Drive, it's called. And it was, I think it's probably one of the most fun things I've ever done in this job. Um, basically, you, you could, if you are a... a, a someone with a bit of cash to spend on enjoyable events for a fee you can pay bmw to put you up um in a beautiful resort in, near queenstown in the morning they fly up in a helicopter to the top of the mountain uh, and then you spend the day driving four-wheel drive bmws around in the su- in the snow and it was it was both fun and also really educational and the thing i liked so much was because you have so little grip everything happens very slowly and very gradually yeah. and, and, and even for inexperienced drivers it's actually you know a lot of time to think and, it, and I think it's very valuable training as they do in and now I'm going to get like broken record looks now because you know we always talk about driver education standards in this country and then you look to Sweden and Finland where they make you drive on slippery surfaces mm. and what do you know drivers are just generally better um, they're I all loved F1 it. and rally drivers really aren't they all totally the they are they come from Scandinavia they're born in a in a, in a Nomex racing suit out there in um, yeah, so like if you think about you know these sports cars and racing cars, which have got tons of aero and loads of grip, when they lose traction, you're, unless you're some kind of superhuman or a professional racing driver, you're as good as dead. But when you're on snow, when you lose traction, it's wonderful. It's very serene. It's quite balletic as the cars sort of mm. slide. And, and it, I thought it was really good. But the fascinating thing, going back to technologies and what you can do with your car, is uh, when you go to Snow Farm, they fit the car with snow tyres. And they are actually specific tyres designed to work in the snow. And yeah. the actual amount of grip you get out 
I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? it? And, and this is yeah. a big difference with Australia because in Europe, it's quite de rigueur. Your your tire repairer holds on to your knobbly snow tires, and when winter comes around, you go and get them fitted. Mm. But in Australia, we're not really as much of a snow culture. We don't deal with it day to day. It's a special occasion thing. Sure. You go to the mountains for a weekend. We don't have that, and so driving here on snow is something that we're just not naturally as experienced at, unless you actually are a real snow bunny. Mm. Where did you do the snow driving, Finn? I did it at Queenstown or near Queenstown, the same as you, Dan, and it was uh, the AMG experience. So that was with Mercedes. Oh, wow. I think they were all C63. So there was wagons, coupes, and sedans. A rear-wheel drive yeah. muscle car. And that was that was basically an excuse to do lots of donuts. And you had to do uh, like <laughs> slaloms through the witch's hats. And, and it was, like you said, it was incredibly educational. But I also must... Um, yeah, What's educational. Educational. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds educational. I did have the good fortune of driving <laughs> on a frozen lake in Sweden on a, oh, car, what? On a car with spiked tires. Oh, Fian, he always has to get one better, Which, doesn't he? Yeah, oh, man, these spiked tires are just... But you have to have that <laughs> on a, you know, a frozen lake. Otherwise, you just you just slide like a, you know, something out of control. <laughs> you get no grip if you, if, you, if you don't have spikes. So that was cool. What a ridiculous life we lead. Don't forget to fasten your seatbelt. You are listening to Fender Bender on Joy 94.9. So now turning to going back to the mad again. So we've been talking about, you know, sensible driving. Yes. Fender Bender, obviously, we here we, we condone, we advocate um, safe driving and only doing huge power slides when under controlled conditions at the top of a mountain. Uh, now, something else that you can get quite a nice sideways action on is a McLaren. Uh, and oh, yes. we're getting a little bit excited about McLaren products. This is the, the British, the iconic British supercar maker that for many years only made effectively one car. Mm. Uh, they're kind of reinventing themselves all around the world uh, and their sales figures speak volumes. And it looks like they're mounting some kind of assault against basically every high-performance car manufacturer of the world and they're not going to make an suv they have categorically <laughs> said that where everyone else is going to make exactly. an suv mclaren have said absolutely not give well, it time you think they'll see all the sales figures of the uh was it we got the lamborghini uh urus oh what about the model x the tesla we got that's the tesla model sell, x and that's fast. maybach rolls royce yes. bentley they're Jaguar, all doing it pace yep. yeah yep. they're all doing yep. it so mclaren is the only one <laughs> sticking the mud at the moment so the only purebred sports car maker and on oh, a ferrari Oh, that's Ferrari true. doesn't have an issue. That's true. Then. Not yeah. yet. Mm, <laughs> exactly. Oh, don't. Wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> so I had the good fortune to go and have a look at the new McLaren 570S in Melbourne. They haven't started sales yet. That'll start uh, early next year. But this new model starts at around $380,000, $400,000. So it's like a Lamborghini Huracan sort of price. And um, and I just got to do a bit of a walk around and some video with the car sitting static in the dealership. But, oh, my God, I fell in love. So, say again. Sorry, 570S. 570S. So, this is the sports series. Sports it's series. like the entry level. Y- yeah. yeah. So, McLaren has three series, right? Sport yeah. series and is it Super? Super and super Ultra. Series and yeah. Ultimate, sorry. Ultimate, which is the, the P1, which you can't get here because y- it's left-hand drive only. Y- oh, that's right, isn't it? Which is a bummer. Yeah. It's a but, sh- how do they sell them in England, then? England, you're allowed to drive left-hand drive cars. So you mean, so the British supercar maker is not making a car for Britain? I believe so. Mm. Thanks, guys. (laughs) It's a bit weird, isn't it? Uh, Yes, now, so this is 570S. Entry level. Here we go. uh, What is it? 3.2 seconds to 100. Whoa. Which is the same as the McLaren F1. Which in his day was the world's fastest yeah, car. And now 3.2 is like, okay. Crazy fast. And it's, that's the same as the Huracan. But this is rear-wheel drive, not four-wheel drive like that. So it's got launch control. It can go really fast, really quick. 
3.8 litre twin turbo V8, 419 kilowatts. Oh, God. That's that's a lot of herbs. That's, I, got, I got a little bit, and, little know, bit physically excited when you said that. The thing, yeah. that. the thing that excited me most, though, was probably the design inside and out. The outside, it looks like a shark or a sea creature. It's incredible. And then you get inside and this tan leather just wrapped around oh. all the instruments. Oh. It is... I just, I, I really did cream my tweets. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> isn't, isn't this the thing hang with on, me? Hang on, hang on. What was that expression you just used? Gross. Let's move on now. <laughs> but isn't McLaren sort of, hasn't always been a bit sanitized? Like Ferrari's Italian soul and emotion, Ferrari's, mm. I mean, sorry, yeah, Lamborghini is just complete insanity. And McLaren, they're made in a factory that looks a bit like a hospital. It's always been very clinically excellent, but a bit sanitized yes. but you're saying this one brings the sex appeal to the table the interior of this car brings mclaren forward compared to the 650 it poops all over it mm. it's beautiful and as if that wasn't enough excitement the 675 lt is launching next week we're the gonna get first tail. absolutely we'll talk about all of that uh next week when we are back but we're nearly out of time just before we go there i want to read out a couple of texts we've had uh another one in from the lovely daryl saying from my experience we were talking about uh four-wheel drives and off-road ability mm. from my experience working uh, for the alpine resorts commission some years ago driving a troop carrier which is the toyota uh with change fitted uh discovered what black ice can be like i came 18 inches uh of the edge of a very steep downward journey through the trees Whoa. black uh, ice is not is nice scary. And we also had another message in saying Audi Q7 is all well and good on transcontinental trip, but when it comes down to it, it's too large to get in the car park and at my work. So another interesting. We like getting the uh, the other flip side of the argument. Yeah, but a very low car park. Gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show again. Will you come back again soon? Definitely. No. Uh, I'm joking. Of course I will. Thank you so much to all our dear listeners. Coming up next, uh, as always, is Technogaze with Michael, Mark and Rena. Uh, And until next... He's smiling at me from the other studio. Yes, they are coming up next, so do stick around. And until next week when the fabulous Tim Nicholson is back, that is me, Daniel Gardner, saying thank you for listening and drive safely. This has been a Fender Bender podcast for Joy 94.9, Australia's first and only gay and lesbian radio station. See joy.org.au for more details. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.